0: Hi, friends. Welcome to the Gritty and Curious podcast. I'm your host, Austin Schlesinger, the founder of Gritty and Curious, where we are on a mission to build the next generation of creators. If you're unfamiliar with what we do, we help people become creators by helping them start their own blogs, vlogs, podcasts. We do this through the Gritty and Curious community. Here, we give you one-on-one mentorship guidance and immerse you in a community of aspiring creators like yourself. So if you're interested in joining, shoot me a message on LinkedIn and we can figure out how to get you guys involved and ready to go. My guest today is Michael Lau of the Prehab team. And I just have to say that, Michael, thank you so much for what you guys do because I messed up my shoulder at the beginning of quarantine and I literally like couldn't do anything. I started running, like I, I was never a big runner, but I started running. <laughs> and I was doing all your guys' stuff and it really helped me out and got me back to where like I needed to be. And I just had my first like snatching session yesterday. So I was really excited about that. Like, it wasn't a great session, but it was like good to get under the barbell again. Yeah. But so, just a plug: anybody that needs help with like rehabbing stuff or physical therapy, like check out their channel. It's super awesome.
1: I'm I'm ha- I'm really happy to hear that it helped. Like that's that's the goal of everything that we want to do: make information accessible for people. And you know, you can be on the other side of the country uh, and just seeing a, a post that I made. I don't even know when I made it, you know, or who made it. Um and to to help people like that. That's 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 the goal of everything that we're trying to do with our platform and all the online stuff that we're trying to do. So that's awesome. Exactly.
0: So Michael, just take a chance to like introduce yourself.
1: Yeah. So uh my name is Michael Lau. I'm a doctor of physical therapy and a strength and conditioning coach. Uh I'm based in LA. My two partners, same both PTs uh and strength and conditioning coaches. We have an online platform called the Prehab Guys. Uh initially started uh just on like social media. Um uh, I think mainly on Instagram really on kind of every social platform and have a, a pretty extensive, extensive website. We're actually in the middle of designing a, an app. Uh, we have, we have an app in the middle of redesigning that app. And our goal is really just to make education and rehab knowledge accessible for all. Uh, I hate that in healthcare. There's just the big, almost like a big veil Like you feel like you're helpless. You go to a doctor, they're telling you something about your shoulder or your knee you have no idea what it is and it sounds like it's a death sentence you know that's how i feel when i go to the car mechanic i don't know anything about my car telling me about <laughs> something something's wrong with it i'm like Shh, dude what is wrong with it i don't know how much it's going to cost you know you start to spiral the same thing happens in healthcare if you don't have that background knowledge And that's not fair you know it shouldn't be that way uh, it shouldn't be that way at all so we try to put out a lot of information through social a lot of information through our blogs or podcasts educating people on their body because ultimately we want people to take a proactive approach to their health you know there shouldn't be shouldn't be me telling the person what to do it should be the person uh wanting to do something like what you said you, i my shoulder was bugging me i went out and i found something to do and i did it myself you know to get you back now you're snatched yeah the snatch session may not have gone it was your first one in a couple months because of quarantine but you're able to snatch again like that's the goal to get people to take a proactive uh, approach to the health instead of the reactionary approach, which rehab is today, you know, your shoulder hurts and then you do something. Well, let's try to do stuff before that, you know, before that happens. And that's really the message that we're trying to, to spread as best as we can.
0: I really like how you put that. And I, I definitely agree. Like healthcare is not fair and growing up whenever I was like sick or something was bugging me. Like I played a bunch of sports growing up. My dad was always the the guy like, you could just figure it out what you're going to go to the doctor and they're going to say, okay, like rest. Mm-hmm. And like, ever since that, like my dad, like ingrained that in my head. I've always tried to take a proactive approach on if I don't feel well, or like my body is a little achy and like trying to take those like preventative measures instead of taking those like, okay, like taking the reactive approach to things. And I think everybody's like different and like, some people need to be sat down and say like, okay, like this is what's wrong with you. Here's how you're going to do it. And other people are more proactive and saying, okay, like I understand my shoulders bothering me and I'm going to go out and find the resources to go and do this. So how do you kind of differentiate between those two types of people? Like you guys have an awesome solution and there's so much information available like on your YouTube and on your Instagram and your podcast as well. But like, how are you targeting both of those people?
1: So I'll be on, I'll be honest with you. While we want people to take that proactive approach, as you said, that there are people I don't want to say people. The majority of people are not going to do something until it's been known that it's a problem for them. Like that's just that's just human psychology, I, and I don't know what the best way is to change that. I'll be honest with you. But what we found is that the people that have had a positive experience through a reactive approach, like for example, take your shoulder, for example, wow. I, my shoulder was bugging me. I found some exercises that really helped. Now I see the value in maybe doing a couple minutes or whatever whatever it is that you're doing a day to help my shoulder. Well, I had knee issues before when I was you know, squatting heavy or when I was uh, whatever, whatever it may be. Maybe I should figure out and take the same mindset to my knee. So I almost feel like it's the reactionary approach that people get, I'll say, get into the system or realize the value in something. And then once they've had that problem, then they can take that same concept to other body regions. But it's tough, like to to convince someone that they need to, to do anything, to take a new habit, to read before bed, to, you know, whatever it is, people are going to start reading because they had a problem first. And I think that's just human psychology. And I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to change that. That'd be great if we could figure that out though. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. And especially we were talking about this before, like education is exploding online. And it's there's so much information out there. You know, when I first, I first messed up my shoulder, like I was, I probably watched the first 20 YouTube videos, like, I was <laughs> yeah. trying to diagnose it. I was like, first of all, what, like, what the hell is wrong with me? And I was going through Google, I was like, is it my rotator cuff? Is it my labrum? Is it this? Is it that? And there's so much information out there. And I guess what, advice would you give to someone okay something's bugging me how do i diagnose this and how do i take the steps moving forward to kind of first help cure whatever's bothering me and then take the preventative steps to make sure it doesn't happen again
1: yeah so that's a that's a loaded one and i i'll think i'll i'll take a rewind uh on that i think we live in this world now like you said where education is exploding and it's everywhere but kind of like you said, I think there's there's too much out there. You can go down a dark hole, a rabbit hole, reading a ton of stuff um, and actually perpetuating the problem that you may have. And who, who's to even to say that you have a problem? You know, I think the world that we live in now, no one wants to be in pain. Pain is a very normal experience uh, in, in humans. It's how we evolutionarily survived. And we are almost baby to it more now to know like oh man every time I feel something something is wrong you know what is it is it my joint is it my capsule is it my bursa like what is it when it could just be pain is more than you know the the anatomical relationship between say a a micro tear and a tendon and what you feel kind of like what you hear about other people that have a paper cut that paper cut that micro trauma is so small but the amount of pain and discomfort you feel is so big whereas you have those other stories of someone like in the military something gets shot 20 times and still kills some four, you know, four people or whatever, and makes it back to the helicopter, but didn't feel a thing. So the relationship between pain and and trauma is, is not a one to one relationship. And understanding that when we feel pain and discomfort, it doesn't always mean that something is wrong. I think that's like the first step is having that understanding that just because I have a little bit of discomfort, I wake up and my back's a little bit stiff, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden I have a herniated disc is huge. Because if you Google that, You will believe that you have a herniated disc you will believe that you have you know crazy sciatica you will believe that you need surgery because there's an overabundance of education i don't want to call it wrong education because it's still it's still factual and correct Uh, but the context of it is so it's you it's so hard to um put in a context because the pain experience that you have is so different than your brother who may have similar genes like the pain experience is going to be different for everyone Um, That's what makes rehab so much of a blend between science and art. Uh, I know I just went on a whole tangent right there about, (laughs) about it. Uh, (laughs) I'll try to circle back to what we were talking about. So education, first step, understanding that, you know, just because you feel pain or discomfort, it may not be, um, may not be something that's problematic. But then I think reading multiple things will also help. So like you said, having, like looking at 20 different videos in trying to see what are the common threads between all those 20 different videos. Um, in healthcare, there is never a one right answer. Like the when we do science, it's never to prove something's right. It's to, it's to basically rule down other competing hypotheses. Like there's never always one right answer and that's what makes uh, medicine so uh, interesting to me, but also complex. So if you read 20 different blogs, read, watch 20 different videos, Try to feel, feel, get a feel for what's the common thread that all of them are saying, and then use that advice and go with that. Because everyone's going to say different things, and then it's not that anyone's right or wrong, but there may be more right than more wrong answers uh, for one one question, I guess, when it comes to your health.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I really, yeah, no, you de- you definitely nailed the answer, but I I really like what you said. Like, there's lots of different ways to conceptualize your pain because you're right. If you go on, if my back is bothering me, and I type in my symptoms in Google or go to WebMD. God forbid you go to WebMD because well, they're it's li- it's they <laughs> they're gonna t- they're gonna tell you, you have cancer and yeah. uh, But like, I think the the concept of kind of conceptualizing pain could also be applied to conceptualizing like what you want to learn. So like, if let's say the example of okay, I want to learn how to build a website. Well, there's lots of different ways you can learn how to build a website. How? where should I go to figure out how to build the website that I want to build? Do I want to build it from the ground up and code everything? Do I want to use a website builder? Where do I want to host? So it's just kind of if the future of education is online, and there's an abundance of information, and people ultimately want to get to the answer as quickly as possible. How do we, how would you advise people to kind of Conceptualize things and kind of find the information that's actually relevant, as opposed to just diving into something and saying, "Okay, this is this is the way to do it." So, just kind of, I guess, looking at a breadth of information as opposed to something specific. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, uh, I think I think it's gonna be doing, you know, listening to things like what we're doing now, like recording a podcast and just trying to get as many different. Um, at least this is me, like listening before acting, you know, try to get as many different viewpoints on a topic uh as you can before diving in and making that decision now i realize people want answers fast and that's you know maybe we're understanding that oh i don't have the knowledge for this where can i go to to find it and i that's kind of the question that we're going on and i feel like it's it's whatever medium you learn best on if you learn best with blogs you know read blogs if you learn best through talking to people and uh or by doing it yourself there are some people that you know that don't even like to research in they just like to go head first into it and learn from their trials and errors um, so trying to figure out what type of learner you are, but I just always a big fan of trying to get all the information as much as I can first and making some sort of educated decision, meaning going to different blogs and reading their approaches because that one blog may say do the do the website yourself, another blog may say go hire someone, another blog may say oh WordPress is easy, uh, you know start with that, and trying to get an idea of what are the pros and cons of each of each. But that's a that's a hard question, and I don't know I don't know if I have the answer for you on that one. Yeah. It's like, it's like a black
0: hole. Like you, you can go into a specific blog or listen to a specific podcast and totally drink the Kool-Aid and just believe that whoever is writing this thing is, is true. And it's fact. Mm. So like, I guess speaking to your point and using myself as an example, again, you know, my shoulder was bothering me. I went went on Google, I went on YouTube, I looked up Kelly Starrett, I looked up SmashWorks, I looked up you guys, and ultimately the solution was a a conglomeration of everything. It was like, okay, like I took something from here, and then I took something from here. And that might just be me because like I, I kind of enjoy the process of like coming up with a program and kind of like understanding how everything works. But I think that like that's kind of what people need to do, especially with all this information online and like the the varying opinions and like the concept of like fake news and fake information and most stuff is is true but obviously there's certain things that aren't true and you always have to take everything you're kind of absorbing with a grain of salt
1: yeah no i think taking a little taking bits and pieces and forming your own opinion is huge and you know bringing it uh bringing it back to healthcare like that's you have to take bits and pieces there is never one article or one yeah one article that is the truth it's taking the conglomeration of all the different research that you read what you the patient you know feels and wants what my clinical experience is and blending it all together to make it to make an answer which is kind of what you did for your shoulder you know take a little bit from a multiple different people and hopefully hopefully the people that if you're looking for information have some sort of a backing like they're actually doing it themselves i think is huge you know someone's uh um, talking about how to write a book and they haven't really written any books, like why should we listen to that person? You know? So hopefully that person's in the trenches doing the things too. Um, and that'll help. So some sort of, some sort of proof, I guess you can say, um, and then taking from multiple people, I think is huge and, and making your own opinion. Cause you're going to believe it more if you. If you're going to follow something more, if you believe that that's the right thing, not just cause someone told you to do it, you know? So you found your own program and you blended it from multiple different people that are telling different things but you found this is what I think is now the truth. And so it's probably going to work a lot better because you came to that conclusion rather than me or someone else telling you that, that what that conclusion is.
0: Right. And I think that trust is like a big part of that as well. And I think that you guys do that super well by like you guys are all have a background in PT and you're like very qualified in what you're doing. And that's a certain level of trust, but it's also there's also trust that's involved with, okay, you guys are producing consistent content and you're publishing results. People are like engaging with what you're doing. They trust you and they know, you know, like I know down the road, if something were to come up, I'm going to prehab guys first. And I'm going to see if I can figure it out based on the information you guys are using, you guys are providing. And you guys do an awesome job with that. So I kind of want to take a step back and talk about your story. Like you mentioned that you started on pre-op guys started on social media. What was like the initial, like, how did this even come to be? How did it start? What's your journey?
1: Uh, so it's, it's really, it's really funny because based on our, what we just talked about, how there's an overabundance of, of information, we, we felt like, at, so we started over five years ago, we felt like it, the opposite was actually happening there, at least in healthcare. There was not enough information and the information out there wasn't credible. So, uh, I guess you can say we were almost one of the the first, uh, like groups or or at least in the, in the rehab side to start putting out information on social media, which really helped our our growth initially. So we started because I remember we looked up something and we're like, what, there's no good answers for what we just looked up. And the answers that are out there, people are following them because this guy has six pack or this girl has big boobs, you know, whatever it may be. They're listening to these people because of maybe it hasn't said how they look not because of what their credentials may be or what their experiences may be. So we said, this is bad. Like this is really bad information. How can we change this? And uh, initially we had a website and a blog and we were writing articles, but they just weren't getting much attention. So we said, okay, well, where do people spend all their time? Well, they spend their time on social media. So then we switched, switched it and just started posting little snippets of information uh, on social media with the goals of, like we said, educating people and giving people a resource where it, they can turn to for good, high quality advice. Um, and that's kind of how we started. We actually started when we were actually doctoral students in grad school. So that was uh, a long time, but we started there and then it just kind of grown since then. Um, but now I think the opposite is is the issues. Now there's an overabundance of information because everyone is, is putting on information. So now the opposite problem is there. Now it's like, how do I sift through the thousands of blog articles, the thousands of podcasts, at least for healthcare is, or in the rehab. I'm thinking more of the, my lens of rehab. Now there's just so much out there. So it's really, really hard to say, well, who do I trust? What, Where do I go to? Because there's too much. I almost feel like the pendulum has switched in the last five years to the other end of the spectrum uh, in comparison to where it was when we first started, where there just wasn't anything out there and there wasn't anything good. Now there's a lot of great people Putting out a lot of great information. Of course, a lot of people are not putting out a lot of good information, but the overabundance of it is almost overwhelming. If you if your shoulder hurts, like where do I go? Oh my god, there's so much out there now. Um, yeah.
0: So, from an education standpoint, or someone that wants to become an educator in any specific space or any like space that they're interested, what do you think? What do you think is the most opportunity? Because there is a lot of information out there. Like where, what is the opportunity for someone who wants to build an audience, establish themselves as an educator and kind of help people out in their space of expertise?
1: I think consistency is the, is the biggest thing. You, you've got to be consistent on whatever you're educating. Um, if that means that you're posting whatever you decide to put, posting once a day, doing a podcast once a week, whatever it is, being consistent is going to be huge. And not expecting that something's just going to Um, to blow up overnight like if you're consistent and you're you have a breadth of knowledge that allows you to be consistent and continually to pump out knowledge people will eventually you know see that and will eventually recognize that okay this person understands what they're what they're talking about because they're very consistent they have a they're able to share this knowledge on a wide variety of platforms i guess you can say Um, so i think consistency is is huge if you're trying to build an audience because it's not going to happen overnight granted i guarantee there's people out there where it does happen overnight but that's like the Anomaly, you know, you shouldn't be striving to blow up overnight and have one viral post that's going to give it to you because, you know, maybe that means that you you don't have that knowledge because you just had one viral post that blew up and then you're just building off that. But being consistent with information, education that providing will show that, hey, I understand that this subset of information and I should be should be someone that people should listen to for X, Y or Z on that topic.
0: So how did you guys decide on the platforms you wanted to focus on? Like you mentioned that you had, you guys started with the blog and then you switched over to social media because that's where everybody was spending their time. But how did you decide which platforms you wanted to leverage?
1: So I think uh, we initially decided on Instagram because it was just very easy. Uh, like I said, people were kind of there. We've now focused a lot of our attention on the blogs. Blogs, you're not limited by the character count that you're on Instagram. You're able to to actually include a lot more information uh, on blogs but it even goes back to kind of how people learn you know now we have now we're on like all these different platforms we're trying to grow our TikTok. we're doing a podcast because we've realized that people all have their own way that they like to learn Uh, i know me personally i'm a blog guy like i like to read other blogs uh arash loves podcasts you know he listens to tons and tons and tons of podcasts that's his preferred method of learning Um, so trying to meet people where they are and if you have Certain content, if you can, uh, change it to fit the platform at hand, then you'll be able to have that same knowledge base shared on a different platform. You may be able to grab a different audience that only really likes to listen to things audio when they're you know cooking or cleaning, but aren't going to sit down in front of a computer and read a blog for ten minutes. Um, so trying to put that information on as many platforms as possible, uh, I think is huge. And even as a person putting out content, you may not be comfortable in front of the camera, so you shouldn't you know you shouldn't do videos, but you may love having conversations with people, well, then a podcast would be awesome. Or you may be a great writer, you know, so then you should try writing more blogs So trying to figure out what your strengths are, but then also, um, you know, being able to put information on different platforms to, to reach different people that like to learn a certain way or like to take in information a certain way is huge.
0: So when did you guys like first start to see traction? Like how long did it take of you guys just pumping out content until You started to develop that audience and kind of see that growth that you guys wanted.
1: I feel like um maybe six to twelve months in, actually I think when we started, we didn't even tell any of our classmates. Like no one actually knew. Like we just were kind of doing it secret like I don't wanna call it secretively, but we were just doing it just uh just because like i said we wanted to put information out there it wasn't meant to be and we never thought it would grow into what it has today it was like we were just like okay let's put out information let's try to help people and i think it was maybe six months to a year in that maybe it had a little bit more traction like oh okay like you know this is this is something that i think people really enjoy and they're actually responding really well to and i'd say that point happened maybe six months in and we're like oh okay this is us actually behind (laughs) behind this and we're actually doing this. Like this is something that um, we're going to spend a little bit more time and effort on. Cause again, like I said, we were, we were students at the time. So this was like, we were doing all of our studies and this was like an additional, like, okay, let's stay late after class. And let's film these videos. (laughs) Let's go on the weekend to the gym and do these. Let's read some more research on this topic and try to put an article out on it. Um, So it was very much on the side at that time. And I think, yeah, about six months or or so I would say.
0: So when did you, start to realize like hey we can start monetizing this and what was that process like
1: i be honest we didn't even have the thought of monetizing it for at least three to four years um it was always it's and it still is yes it's it's been monetizing we are able to support like our small team of people that help us out and ourselves but it's always been education first and we are steadfast with that as you know as big of entrepreneurs as we are we know that the reason why we're doing this is because we're, we're actually healthcare providers first. Like we are healthcare providers and entrepreneurs. I wouldn't say we're entrepreneurs and healthcare providers. So knowing that we're healthcare providers, we are putting on information to help the greater good of people. Like that's always going to be our, uh, what, what grounds us, I guess you can say. So it was never a thought to monetize this platform until uh, we actually had an exercise library that we built and it was horrible. Uh, two years ago, uh, we, <laughs> we had a team help us. It was horrible but people paid for it i think they supported us because they supported our brand more so than they actually used the platform because it was not good uh, and uh, we did a really big re-ramp of it uh, a year ago we did another big re-ramp of it a couple months ago and that's actually what we're trying to turn into a, a real app over in the next year because uh, right now it's a web based app so just you know all web based apps kind of are built on you know bad platforms so we're actually trying to turn that into a real a real mobile app so, um, I think, yeah, three years in or so is when, was when that started?
0: Gotcha. So what, what's kind of your role at Preop guys, we talked about this before that there's three of you and you guys each have like divide up the work and kind of own different parts of it. Like what, what's your role?
1: Yeah. So my main role is all, a lot of the technology stuff. So I run the whole website. I run the, uh, all the CRM. And I just do all the really all a lot of the technical stuff. All of us uh, contribute to the content that is seen, like on social, to the to the blogs, to the videos, to the YouTube episodes. That's kind of like the okay. We're all a little bit of a part of that, uh, but like the majority of my time is spent uh, making sure the website's running, making changes to the websites, changes to emails, a lot of the email stuff. Um, whereas Arash, for example, he handles all the social. Like we were talking earlier, like if there's a post, I will have no idea what post it is. I designed the post, but I probably designed it a month ago. You know, <laughs> and now it's in a queue and Arash is choosing like when should we show this post versus when should we show this post. Um, and a Craig, for example, does almost all of our programs. Like we, So we all contribute to writing the program, but there is so much back-end work, like so much back-end work that it takes to creating an Excel spreadsheet and turning it into like an actual program on an app. So uh, Craig handles all that. And again, like a, a program that I wrote probably two months and a half ago, ankle dorsiflexion, just got released this or last week, you know? So all of us have different roles within each kind of system. And I think building systems is what helps us the most because there's no way as a, as a company expands it, you can know what's going on in each part of it. You know, you have to give autonomy to your, your staff and your employees and trust them that they're going to make the right decision. And having systems in place help with that, knowing that, Okay, after this is done, this is supposed to be done. And then, then you're supposed to email. And having a, a clear system and open lines of communication allow you to take a step back knowing that it's still going to run without you micromanaging it. Because no one wants to micromanage and no one likes to be micromanaged. Um, yeah, systems have been huge for us. Really, really big.
0: So what systems have kind of been
1: the most helpful in the process of growing the prehab guys? So I think one, we, we used to use this uh, platform called OneNote, Microsoft OneNote. Uh, it's like a, I guess you can call it a note-taking app that's Love shared, OneNote. almost like Google. Um, and then we've slowly migrated off of that to having massive organization on Google Drive. So Google Drive is where everything lives from podcasts to videos to text to copy. Everything lives on Google Drive. And then we also have another another thing called Coda. So Coda is again a big team building. Um, I don't know how to describe them as different. They're all they're all supposed to accomplish the same goal, but Coda allows you to build out just crazy tables with like check marks, due dates, assigned like uh, different like flows, basically. So we have all these all of our systems are mapped out on Coda because we have a team now of maybe about fourteen people, and everyone knows what their roles are on that system. Like to build a program takes at least eight of us on the team doing different parts of it. So like when someone who's the writer finishes a certain part, the program builder then knows that they need to take certain parts of it and build it. And the program builder knows that the person who's doing our social media, she needs images sized a certain way. So he, he knows how to take them. And we've been able to just repeat these systems over and over because we laid them out so cleanly, but it took a long time. I would say our first program, our shoulder program, was the first one we came out with. That one took us like six months to build. Uh, and now we are able to do a program every week. So, I mean, it's it's crazy wow. how fast it's been, but it took a long time to get there. Uh, but now that it's there, it's, it's really nice because I can actually take a step back. I can just do the creative part of the program and actually design the program, test it out and see how it works and have time to research different protocols. But I'm not involved in every single aspect of the build now. So it allows us to move a lot faster um, as we've, as we've expanded
0: so how do you guys kind of come up and come up with and prioritize different programs? Like, are you engaging with people that are like, that like your brand or like how, like, what is that process like of understanding? Okay. Like we need to come out with this program next. And then what's the next step? Like, how do you, I, I have a lot of questions about this. Yeah, this like so A lot of it's base. a
1: lot of it's, uh, feedback from, you know, followers. It's people asking, Hey, Do you guys have a program for this? We're like, no, but that'd be a good idea. Or, hey, do you guys have a program for this? Or I need help with this. So trying to see what are the biggest issues that people have. And we started with body region focus. So we have a a program for every body region. it's basically like a bulletproofing an entire body region. Um, What are the most common impairments for those body regions up and downstream? What are the most common mobility constraints, stability constraints, motor control issues? And that's all in there. And then we've slowly focused into like different movements. So we have like squat, like squat fundamentals or back squats, like even more for performance. Then we've kind of moved into mobility stuff. So like ankle dorsiflexion, knee extension. So those are like the two common, most important uh, mobility ones. And we're going to have an overhead shoulder one soon. So taking the things that we see in the clinic that are most common, but then also listening to what other people are saying, Hey, do you have a program for this? we are like, uh, no. So we should probably (laughs) design one. And then one of our people (laughs) design it. Um, the design phase takes a while. So it's usually one of us three doing all the initial design. And then we have at least two or three calls between the three of us that we basically give each other feedback on it. And we really tear it apart. It's almost kind of sad. We design a program, and then Arash and Craig will look at it. And it's like, nah, this shouldn't be here. This doesn't make sense here. These parameters aren't, don't make sense. You know, think about this. So that process takes a couple of weeks where we're going back and forth. Um, we have other PTs now on board, we eventually want to get them on board because the more minds, the better, um, kind of off topic. But the fact that there's three of us is the only way that this company could have become what it was from five years ago and continue to grow. Uh, having multiple people on the team is, is huge. You know, having someone to bounce ideas off of and someone that's more aggressive and then someone that's less aggressive to counter off. Like say we're not just doing crazy things. We're not doing anything, you know, not pulling the trigger on anything. Um, I think it's huge to have to have a team and to trust each other's opinions. Um, it's, it's been it's been absolutely vital to our growth.
0: So did you guys all come up with the idea for pre-up guys, or was it one of you guys who like, hey, we should start this. oh, we should bring him on as well. Like what was that team building process like in the ideation stages of you know just getting started?
1: So I think we all had idea we all knew we wanted to do something like this. I don't think we had settled on the idea. Uh, I know I had a blog before. So we were talking about blogs and that was when I was like, okay, the blogs, it's not working. And it, granted the blog that I had eventually became our website. We transferred it over, but the social side was just, we were just shooting around ideas. Craig Rosh and I, it was actually uh, a like winter break of one of the, I think our second year in grad school. Um, and we were just in the basement. We, we all got there on a Sunday, like before school started and we we're like, okay, let's, let's just figure this out. Um, and that's when we kind of decided on social, that's when we just kind of decided on Instagram, uh, on the name. And we were just like, let's just, let's just learn as we go. Let's just commit to one post a day. That's all we decided on at that time. Let's just commit to one post a day and let's just take it at, at, as the day's come. And We haven't missed a day. We've posted every day for the last five years, like every day, an educational post, not just like a, uh, any, like an educational post one a day. So we've stuck to that. And that's been the consistency since day one.
0: How have you, what have you kind of learned from a a content standpoint and kind of like iterating on that educational content? Cause it's hard. Like you're, if you don't know exactly who you're speaking to and exactly who their needs are, then like, how can you come up with something that's educational? So kind of what is that content iteration process? If you want to, if you want to call it that, like, what has that been like?
1: Yeah. So I think it's grown, uh, as, as we've, as we've grown, you know, it's a lot of times it's answering questions that we have. So if I have a question like, man, all right, th- let's talk about how to treat patellofemoral pain. Uh, this is probably an interesting topic. I, I feel like someone else that has patellofemoral pain may benefit from this. Um, and it's actually allowed us to be better clinicians. Uh, is at, the, at the end of the day, I think that every clinician is an educator. I think every healthcare practitioner, no matter if they do surgery, no matter if they clean your eyes or your ears, whatever, they should, we should all think of ourselves as educators because we should be empowering our patients to like I said, take that action themselves to be proactive with their health. Um, So being able to educate online has all made us better educators. And I think if you look at our content, I mean, we've, as clinicians, we've grown a lot. So the way we educate has grown a lot. And I think always being able to put the information that you're uh, putting in an educational format, thinking of who that person is. So while we may not have known who we were speaking to, we knew that the target audience was a patient. Like, okay, so what questions does a patient have? When I explain what patellofemoral pain, what are the common questions that they're going to have for that and being able to answer it and thinking it from a patient. So what we always said was when we talk to our parents or we talk to our siblings or we talk to a fr- family friend from home and they're like, what do you mean kneecap pain? Like, th- what are those questions that we're going to get? That's how we would <laughs> try to write our answers because we have to you have to think of it's easier to think of someone that, you know, how would uh, Gary like what would Gary ask me? You know, like try to think of that Um that's how we've always done it, thinking of it like a patient or like a family, or relative, basically. Like I don't understand, Michael. Okay, well, let me, that means I need to explain it better, you know, practicing on them.
0: Yeah, it's almost coming up with like that avatar of the, the specific person that you're kind of trying to target.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So how do you, how did you guys kind of understand what your strengths and weaknesses were and divide up the work in a way that. allow you guys to grow very quickly because it's like it's hard to kind of identify what your weaknesses are what your strengths are especially you have three people so kind of what is that what was that collaboration process
1: like and then kind of how do you divide everything up trial by fire (laughs) and trial by error (laughs) like i think everything we've done has been okay that's a good idea let's try it oh shit that didn't work or oh that worked really well but let's do this um, so like throughout the years, like Craig is, for example, is a great writer. So like right now on our, our website copy, I used to do a lot of it just because I was in charge of the website. So that makes sense. Oh, that's Mike's domain, right? He's the website. He's in charge of the website, but if Craig's a better writer and he can write this copy in two hours, what it would take me four. it's a better use of our time that Craig writes and I do something else. So that's how we've kind of figured it out all of us at one point all did or all know of the responsibility of the others at some point, like very generalized. And then based on who seems to be better at it, we've shifted that, okay, now you're just gonna take domain of that, of the podcast, for example, or you're gonna be in charge of most of the copy, or you're gonna be in charge of most of the videos in the library, um, just based on the experiences that we've had doing it and seeing, okay, this is something I can do, or this is really not a strength of mine. Uh, Because you're right, it's really hard to know what you're good or bad at until you actually do it. So I think doing it and, and then adjusting on the fly uh, is huge.
0: So do you guys have, I mean, you mentioned that you've been posting every day for like since you guys started, but do you have a like, content calendar? Like how do you schedule all this stuff out and kind of collaborate on different like content ideas?
1: Yeah, so we, we do now. That's actually been a big push for us this year. Surprisingly, we did not before. So we all knew what days we were responsible for posting on social. We all knew what days, uh, or what weeks we do what blog a week we were responsible for. Uh, and now, of course, we have a lot of other things that come out on a, a schedule. Um, but it was very random and it was hard and it was it wasn't as clean as it was now. Whereas now it's much more organized. Like a, there could be a topic uh, that we have throughout the week. So that's been huge for us having a, a content calendar. It's basically a calendar that we have on on the Coda system that I was telling you about. Uh, where we can lay out different posts that it now makes sense from Monday to Tuesday to Wednesday or something like that. It's not just random posts here and there.
0: Gotcha. So it seems like you're like a a big systems guy. Like what are your favorite uh, productivity tools?
1: <laughs> huge systems guy. Uh, Dude, me, me too. Like I I just, I, I don't think I'm that, um, what's the word? I'm not a random person. I'm not like I need like regimented systems or I just feel like I'm just out of whack, completely out of whack feel <laughs> like uh, so, I'm talking to myself yeah uh for so for communication slack is huge uh we were we were uh what's the word <clears throat> we did not want to transition to it I think like a year a year and a half ago when this other company we worked with was like oh yeah we're on slack we're like oh this looks like too much this is stupid this is way too much so slack is huge for communication like I think that's huge for us um having a calendar is huge for me like I need to know what's going on each day and when and I need to know what I'm doing and ideally consistently. So like right now with my clients, uh, I've been trying to switch the majority of them over to some sort of consistent schedule, which typically it's how it is. Uh, but it hasn't been that way since everything COVID has started. So I know I have this girl now at 830 on this Friday and I had this guy at 11 every other Friday. So trying to have some sort of consistency in my schedule uh, has helped me from a productivity standpoint. Coder, like you mentioned, is also big. And I realize a lot of the things that I'm mentioning too are because we have a team. When it's just one person, it's a lot easier, in my opinion, to stay organized because you have your own like you have your own way of doing things that makes sense to you, like in your brain. You know how it works. But the moment you start integrating other people into it, you, get, you realize, oh, shit, they think a lot differently than me. So how do I develop? How do we stay in communication and have good systems where your way of thinking of something or what's you know, what's good organization for you actually works for me? And that's where things like the coda that you mentioned, in Slack are really nice because everyone can see the same thing and you can build it in a way that everyone knows what they should be doing or everyone knows where they're at in this audit or um, whatever it may be.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been tough, like for us so far, like we've been using notion to kind of keep ourselves organized. And I, I love notion. I just started using it at the beginning of the quarantine period because they made it free for students. So I, I started using that. It, It might, it actually might be free for, any individuals but when you add people to the team then it's tough but like there's so much stuff you can do on there and i totally agree with you like if you're like an individual like i i always have stuff in my calendar like i like looking at my day and kind of knowing okay like this this is what's going on and um you know just knowing what what's going on in my day and like like i mentioned before i have a big systems guy and if i If I'm doing anything repetitive, like I I like to write it down. Like in terms of the podcast, my introduction is pretty much the same every time. My conclusion Mm -hmm. is the same, and there's different variables. Obviously, the guest changes, the contents of what we're talking about change. But if you can kind of systemize things, just makes things so much easier.
1: Yeah, I'm looking up Notion right now. It's basically the same thing as Coda. I'm looking at how it looks. It looks like the. Someone from one of the teams said, I'm starting my own. (laughs) It literally looks the same, (laughs) different little logos and everything. So, yeah, things like this are huge. Like, you need, we used Evernote at one point. We didn't really catch on to that too much. Um, Like I said, OneNote was something we used for a while. Um, But yeah, you need to have these. Organizational things, uh, especially as a business grows, and things will just get lost. Like you'll just forget. I mean, I will forget things at least, so I need them written down. Like you were saying, it has to be written down or it didn't happen. Basically, it's not my calendar; it's not happening. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what do you guys do for like to dos or like daily tasks?
1: So each of us have our own, and it's really weird. We've I've actually found that the note app on uh on uh, my uh, was it like iCloud works best for me because I try to keep it somewhat organized uh, where it's not too many to-do lists um and it's just like a quick reminder to do something um whereas like the big systems to-dos are all on Coda like uh like I said like the program to build a program is like eight different people like that whole system and like where we're at in the to-do would be on Coda because it's just it's a lot more whereas like okay I need to respond to this person I need to figure out this logic or I need to go to CVS like I'll, I'll just use the Node app on um on uh, my phone, just because it it seems it seems like it syncs faster. I know for me when we were on OneNote, there'd be times when I had written it on my laptop, but I don't know why it's not syncing to my phone. Um, so I I hated that. Whereas I haven't had any of those issues with the Apple one. Like if I write it somewhere, boom, it's there.
0: Yeah, I've like I there's there's certain times I'll do like the reminder app on on yeah. Apple, or then I'll do like if I'm like in a meeting or I'm talking to somebody then like the notes app quick like to do's i've also tried google tasks like there's there's so many of them
1: yeah the hardest thing with these like especially it sounds like you're a systems person too is understanding what the system is it takes so long for you to actually like real you know what i mean like understand it where you can take advantage of it and i'm like so adverse to to switching because now i'm comfortable right now i'm comfortable with what systems i have like well i don't want to switch even if slack is really amazing for a year we were like screw slack we're not we're not going to that thing you know but now that we're on it why didn't we do this earlier this is amazing yeah
0: even with like notion we're there's such a big learning curve to notion and they do such an awesome job of like onboarding people onto their their platform like i think once a week their their founder sends it sends out an email and says hey like this is this is how you would create like a OKR system this is how you this is a content calendar this is how you'd make this and like there's so many different like capabilities and like Mm -hmm. things you can build on it and like from a learning curve standpoint and kind of like getting onboarded and like embedded in a new system like I've I've tried out so many like that's like one of the things I'll do literally for fun is like oh this is cool like I'll download like the the different to do app or something and just like check it out and like, all right, this isn't going to work for me. Like I, this is, this is too much. This is too big of a learning curve. I'm sticking with what I'm doing, but it's funny. Like people tell me about an app and like, I've already downloaded it before. Like I've checked it out and everything, but I'm definitely just going to stick to what, what I know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's what you're comfortable with, you know?
0: Exactly. But you suggest you, you mentioned before that you, you love like reading blogs. Like that's like your preferred way of kind of, absorbing content like what are your, what are some of your favorite blogs
1: so i'll be honest i don't have any blogs that i subscribe to it's usually a question that i have so it's just it's as simple as a google search which brings the importance of seo which uh, we have known in their learning and i'll read multiple blogs i'll type in one question on google but i'll read at least 10 blogs on that question before i'm like okay this is what i'm going to do um you know uh, just because and hopefully every blog says something similar, you know, like, okay, I'm trying to learn, we were trying to learn about like employer distributions for like 401k. And I was getting confused. Is it 25% of this is it match salary. I'm like, I'm so confused. <laughs> so if I read enough, I'll be able to figure it out. Um, and granted, it would be nice if we can just ask someone that, right? Uh, but then Asking someone that, then it has to be like, okay, well, this is our business structure. This is what this is like. And sometimes that's not feasible either. And also I kind of want to know, you know, I don't just want someone to tell me this. Some answers I did. Yes, I just want an answer. But other things I really want to know because if I can understand uh, how it's supposed to be set up, maybe I can find a better way of doing it. Or I can say, okay, if that's that way, well, what if we do this way? You know what I mean? Um, And I think that's, I just enjoy, I just enjoy kind of what you said, like downloading apps. I enjoy thinking of, how to do something better. Uh, and just you can't figure that out unless you understand how, like, how it works. It, you just don't have the why. You have to understand the why and the how, you know?
0: Exactly. And I think that there's, it's been super helpful for me too when people come to me or say like, oh, I have, I have such a great idea for an app or I have a great idea for, for this. And like by understanding the capabilities of the applications that are out there and the systems that already exist, it gives you a different lens to look through in terms of, okay, this is a possible solution. Like if someone said, I was talking to my girlfriend the other day and she was like, you know, what what would be a great idea if there was a way to kind of track all, like a, all of like the different types of like alcohol you drank or like a specific like craft beer or like a wine or something. And you can go in, it would be called like something library and you can go in and kind of look into um, like what, drinks people are drinking. Like you go to your friend's house, like, oh, what wine were we drinking when we were over there? And the the idea is not like what I'm trying to get at here, but the just kind of the process of thinking through okay, the tools that exist right now, you could definitely do that with an Excel spreadsheet. I, I would probably say that ninety nine point nine percent of like app ideas, you could create like an, a minimum viable product for something like in in an Excel sheet or with a Google form. Mm-hmm. And it's like kind of understanding what's out there and like the systems that are in place to kind of build things. And I just, I find that so interesting. So like, yeah, big, definitely a big systems guy for sure.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. It's the only way I say organized. (laughs) (laughs) But I
0: guess the, the next thing I want to ask you is kind of what's the, what's the future of prehab guys? Like you've, you guys have been growing and everything and you mentioned that you're like entering the audio space and you're exploring different ways to reach different types or like groups of your audience, but like, what's the future?
1: So we want to have a one-stop shop for everything related to your health and we can say health and wellness. We can say rehab, musculoskeletal health and that's where our app comes in, which we are starting to um, get our slide deck ready and actually uh, start preparing it for developers. So basically right now we have all this great information, but it's really hard uh to figure it out and kind of like what you said like oh if i know i have a problem i want to go to the prehab guys well you can go to us you can go to our social you can go to our website but i guarantee you have our answer somewhere but it's hard to find so we want to have an app that basically houses everything that we have in it from an information education standpoint plus programs plus our exercise library which is more for clinicians and coaches all housed in one app basically so no matter what the issue is if your dad and another state is having issues, never heard of us. You can just be like, Oh yeah, just go download the wrap and search whatever it is for shoulder impingement. And you can learn all about it there. That's, that's really our next step over this next year uh, in having everything in house in one central location.
0: Yeah. I think that's super helpful because there's like we mentioned before, there's so much information out there and kind of people want the, the, their questions answered as soon as possible. So if there's like a one-stop shop for, okay, but I think I have a shoulder impingement and, or I have shoulder pain and then, okay, it's probably a shoulder impingement. Okay. Here are the things that I need to do to kind of, you know, get my shoulder back up to speed and being able to do, get back to being able to do the things that I love.
1: Exactly. Simplifying it for people. Here's what you're exactly. Gonna do. Go for it. And we're going to educate you along the way. That way you're going to figure it out for this time but next time if it happens again you don't need to do come back and have the search you you already know you now know how to be your own best physical therapist that's like what we're trying to say we want to teach people how to be their own best physical therapist meaning they have to understand their body and learn about their body because you know your body better than me you know I'm the pt and i'm treating your shoulder that's your shoulder like you know how that sucker feels better than i ever will and how it will ever work so you're going to be your own best pt if you under, if you understand the knowledge of rehab that we can teach someone to, to how to manage themselves. And then you're going to be your own autonomous PT. You're going to be able to take care of yourself, which puts less strain on the healthcare system as a whole, and which makes it better for everyone. Uh, if people can take that approach where they're, they're in charge of the health instead of the doctors and us on the medical side telling you what to do.
0: Exactly. And if ultimately people want to get back to like what they're doing or what they, the condition they were at. Before they're injured, as soon as they possibly can, mm. and that's that's kind of like what the goal is. I mean, like even from watching your videos and other PT related videos and observing that kind of content, like it's inspired me to kind of like you were mentioning you were mentioning before, like your your goal is to kind of prevent me from having another shoulder injury, or at least kind of understand, okay, this is this is how I feel right now these are what the symptoms are. And these are the steps that I need to take. Like I'm educated enough, knowing that, okay, like if I, if I'm doing this activity, or I'm doing butterfly pull ups, I'm putting my shoulder at risk of these injuries. And I understand that, okay, this is what's wrong with me. And these are kind of the steps I need to take to get back to where where I want to be.
1: Yeah, we can never prevent injuries, but we can reduce the risk of them. And uh, it, who knows? A year from now, your volume on butterfly pull-ups may go up a ton. Not that butterfly pull-ups are inherently bad, but you may, or your volume may have gone up a ton, and your other shoulder starts to hurt. Well, now you have the knowledge to take care of that, and to take care of it faster. Instead of for us in the United States, waiting for to get into a doctor, to generalist, then all of a sudden, oh no, you need to go see an ortho. Wait again a couple of weeks. Oh no, now it's just it's non-surgical. You need PT, which we could have, which we knew day one. Now you got to go see a PT and all that whole time you're searching for doctors, searching for PTs, racking up co-pays or shit. If you don't even have good insurance, just racking up hundreds of dollars per visit for a 20 minute conversation when instead you can be taking care of this on your own in your CrossFit box or heck, even at home with like a simple band, not even a band, just on your own, you know? So we'll see. Healthcare is is stuck in the old ages, but we're trying to move that along.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting for sure. So what's what's your kind of like preferred training? Like I know that you like mentioned before that you're into strength training, but like what's your like what's your workout regimen looking like right
1: now? So workout regimen right now has been non-existent because of COVID. (laughs) I'm really pissed off. The gym I was going to has not opened yet. I have something called BFR blood flow restriction, so I use that at home. It's basically putting a tourniquet like a medical tourniquet on your arm or your leg, and you exercise using really light loads. So. I'm body squatting with, like, my tool chest, which is, like, 25 pounds. And I'm. Ba- and you get the same benefit as heavy lifting when it comes to hypertrophy. Strength, not so much. I actually did a 10-RM test uh, a couple of weeks ago. I lost a little bit of strength, but I was surprised. Like, at least it's a little different, the 10-RM. But, like, calculated, it means my 1-RM only went down, like, 40 pounds. And I haven't back-squatted in three months. So – um, it's pretty awesome, but yeah, right now it's non-existent. Like you said, everyone in the world has picked up running. I run like once a week, um, getting into <laughs> tennis again. You know, I play that once or twice a week. Uh, a lot of body weight stuff, a lot of BFR. I, I miss being under the barbell hundred percent.
0: Dude, me too. I, I'm so happy that literally like right before quarantine started, um, me and my brother like invested in some nice, like rogue plates. We built out like a, a platform and everything. And like, oh, nice. It's so funny. Like we were having, we had like a crew of guys in our neighborhood that were coming over, and we were working out every day. And then everybody, COVID got really serious. And then like it was weird for me and my brother to be working out in the gym at the same time. And it was just, I mean, it's it's been crazy. It's been so crazy.
1: Yeah, it's been really crazy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I guess the the last thing I want to ask you is, what do you think it mean? What do you think it means to be gritty and curious?
1: Hmm. What I think it means, I think it means that you will keep looking for an answer. You know, that's the curious side of it. And the gritty side of it is that you're not going to take one, you're not going to take one answer. And, and that's the, the whole truth. You know, I don't think there is a whole truth for anything. I don't, I don't think there's a 100% for anything in life. There's bits and pieces of it that form what our opinions are going to be, but there is no universally one right answer. So, you know, continually being curious, searching out Uh, searching out you know objective information and then being persistent with it the grittiness out of it Uh, i think that applies to just everything in life no matter what you want to improve you got to be curious about it and then you got to keep striving to get better at it because you're never going to be the best there is no the best you know you can always get better
0: i love that well michael thank you so much for coming on the podcast and best of luck with everything moving forward
1: appreciate it thanks for having me on austin
0: you have been listening to the Gritty and Curious Show where we have conversations with gritty and curious people. If you enjoyed the show, you'd be the best if you subscribed, left a rating, and wrote a quick review. By doing these things, you let me know that you're listening and it inspires me to keep creating. Until next time, stay gritty and curious.